Good morning, everyone. You're on SFM, Your Voice in the Valley with Kath Kovac, and this hour is about women's voices. So thanks for joining me. Uh, this morning on the phone, I have got all the way from WA, um, hideously 7 o'clock in the morning over there, so I'm very sorry about that. Um, but I'm talking to an amazing lady um, called Catherine Evans, and Catherine is going to talk with us this morning about uh, women, birth, motherhood, which are, you know, not small subjects, so I'm sure we have a, a lot to talk about here. And she's also going to talk to us about um, the business that she's been developing, helping women in these kinds of areas uh, with the beautiful name of Mind, Heart, Soul Healing. I think that's a gorgeous name for a business. So, Catherine, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so, Catherine, let's just start off with what's life like in WA at the moment? <laughs> what's your, how's it going over there? Stinking hot yet? <laughs> well, no, not yet. We're coming into, we're sort of halfway into spring, but, well, we should be in spring, you know, way past September. But it is, we still have cold days. I've got my jumper on this morning. But other days it's really hot. So, yeah, we just had some beautiful beach days about a week ago. So that was lovely. Yeah, nice. Have you lived in WA a long time? I've lived in WA for 30 years. I moved to WA when my firstborn was eight weeks old. Oh, wow. That must have been a bit of a challenge. It was a a huge move. Because uh, I left my family and my friends over there to live here uh, with my husband because he had better job prospects over here and we had made a decision for me to be a stay-at-home mum for a period of time. So, yes, we moved so that we had income, basically, that was reliable. Mm. Yeah, well, so important, especially at that stage. And um, was that your only uh, child at the time? Was that your first baby? That was our first baby, yes. Mm, yeah. Um, eight weeks, that would have been a very challenging time. And did you move from New South Wales or where were you living before then? At the time, I was born in New South Wales, but we were living in Victoria at the time. Mm, okay. Yeah. Ah. Um, and so tell me, uh, women, birth, motherhood, massive topic. <laughs> massive topic. Massive topic. <laughs> where, where comes from your interest in, in, um, in speaking about these things today? So interestingly, my, our firstborn, the eight week old that moved with us when we moved, he turns 30 this month. And I was 30 when I gave birth to him. So it feels like a momentous occasion. And the other day I said to my husband, I feel like I've got a degree in motherhood. And he said, no, you've got a PhD in motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) So after 30 years of immersion, um, I guess my, my passion is in supporting mums and women in that journey because it is such a huge journey to become a mother like to go from uh, a single person or even a person in a relationship to being a mother and a parent is a huge transition well at least it was for me and I know it is for for most women because Everything changes. So, you know, if we were working, we might not work for a period of time. So finances change. 
our relationship changes because we're no longer just two people having a wondrous time in our relationship thinking about our own selves. We've now got this little being that we're responsible for. So, yeah, there's a lot that changes, especially in that first 12 months of having your first baby. Mm, that's so true. And there's just sort of not really a lot of support around um, once you've left the hospital or birthing centre or wherever you go. There's not a lot of sort of support around easily for women in that, um, well, indeed, both parents in that first year of the child's life and all that adjustment. I th- there, there, are, there are support services around. I guess it's about thinking about what do parents actually need in that year and also, even though in our, you know, technological time, really getting those services known to parents, there's a wonderful organisation here in Busselton where I live called Radiant Southwest, and they are really focused on supporting parents' emotional journey of parenthood. Uh, but it's very difficult to get funding for something that's preventative, you know, that's that helps people and parents before the problems develop, that's really difficult. Mm. Yeah, that's right, because a lot of um, most things seem to be focused as when you've already got the problem, then there's help. But, yeah, there there is a lot of preventative things that, that can happen. So what kind of things do they do at that service? Uh, they offer support groups for mums who are maybe experiencing anxiety or depression. Um, they also just starting to support dads, although it's hard with limited funds. Yeah, they also connect in lots of services into the one website so that parents can just go to one place to look for services rather than, you know, looking in the sea of the internet, so to speak. Mm. So it's a really, really worthwhile um, organisation. It does so much good work with very little resources and... Of course, most they're women, really, that work in that organisation and, of course, we know that they do probably double the hours that they're paid for, which is not uncommon for women in community. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, um, and not just even in work, but, you know... <laughs> Doing doing the double the double hours at work and then going home to you know do the double hours at home as well in the completely unpaid um, and undervalued work, isn't it? Yeah, I was talking to a mum yesterday in session and she was speaking about she's stopped work now because she's about to have a second baby, and she was speaking about how women, you know, in the I guess in the stream of feminism, the feminism wave. That we, you know, women can do everything, like have have a family and work as well, which they can. I mean, they do so many. So many do. However, she was just saying, what's really involved in that and how hard that is, because you're working twenty four seven at home and then you're doing a job as well. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I think that that sort of um, thing, or you know, message that sounded so promising about, yes, you know, you can you can have it all. I mean, it, it is a bit of a myth because you may have it all on the outside, uh, people seeing yes. you as as working and grow, uh, supporting a family and, and keeping your house going and all those kinds of things. 
But on the inside, I think it's very often just uh, crumbling or maybe held together with bits of, you know, glue and sticky tape like the school projects. Um, or, you know, there's just no time to actually do nothing, which is a really, really important thing to be able to do, I think, um, have have space to just sort of rest and, and literally do nothing or at least just sit and, you know, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're a mum, particularly, particularly a one who's working outside the home as well, absolutely. And I, I believe that you know we can do all of that, but what what is sacrificed or what is lost is you know ourselves. We, we, as you say, we don't have that time to contemplate or just be with ourselves and know ourselves. Because we're busy in the, you know, running around in the rat race, doing this and doing that, and mm. particularly in the school years, it gets really busy with out of school activities, and you know, lots of mums go to work, and then they rush home and go to soccer, or they go to hockey, or they go to whatever is required. Yeah, so it's it's all consuming. Motherhood is all consuming, and finding space for the self in that is definitely a challenge. Mm. Um, and so what, so you said your husband described that you had, um, you know, a PhD in motherhood. <laughs> what, what, what's your thesis <laughs> about? What would you say is the main, is the main kind of conclusion you've drawn, um, from your 30 years of motherhood, Catherine? <laughs> I guess for me, and it's very easy to say looking back, isn't it? Because when you're in the thick of it, it's really just like um, swimming as fast as you can and coming up for air when you can. Looking back, I think my thesis is that somehow if we can find a way to really keep connected to that, I always refer to it as a sacred part within ourselves because when all else falls away and we find a quiet moment, if we can connect with that really sacred part of us within where we just stop and breathe and remember who we are, then that is such a support, a solid support through those chaotic years. And it wasn't until much later in my parenting journey that I connected with that, but it definitely made all the difference because it was like everything could be crazy, but I could disconnect it with that for a minute because everything I find, found anyway in parenting, it has to be simple, right? Because we haven't got time for complicated or complex support um, practices. Mm. So, so that for me, that was something that really helped me feel supported. And I'm not talking about, you know, prescriptive 40-minute meditation sessions or anything like that. It's about doing what works, yeah. And what, Might be sitting outside with a cup of tea for three seconds, you know, just breathing like you say and just taking that time to, oh, that's, that's right, here I am, this is what I'm doing, I'm here, I'm in my body, I'm present, mm. yeah. yeah. Does cause, that make sense? Yeah, because we spend so much time not in our body, isn't it, just in our heads and, and ignoring what's going on in the body, whereas uh, the body is usually crying out for us to stop and pay attention to it for a few minutes. 
Yeah, and I guess that's where the mind, heart, soul came from because often um, often we focus on our mind. So even some clinical services really are mind-focused and I found a lot of support in connecting with my heart and so that was where that came from. And then the soul is that, that spiritual part of our souls, whatever that is for each individual, that unique connection to something higher or something bigger or something more peaceful than the chaos that we're living in. Mm. And how did you find this connection with your heart? Can you talk us through that? Sure. There's a beautiful organisation called HeartMath Mm-hmm. And they have done a huge amount of research on the heart. And what they found was that when we are able to breathe as if we're breathing in and out of our heart, I can do that now if you like. Yeah, you it sounds to. good to me. It takes just, about- just a disclaimer that people driving their cars and listening probably shouldn't do this. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So pull over for a minute. <laughs> Although you can even do it with your eyes open. I mean, yeah. you don't need to close your eyes. Yeah. So it's really about, first of all, connecting with your breath and tracking the breath or following the breath. And doing that for a few moments, not changing it, not fixing it, not doing anything with it, really just following the breath, becoming aware of this breath that keeps us going every day after day and we don't even have to think about doing it. And then once you settle into the rhythm of that breathing, following it along, you can take your focus to your heart and it is as if it is as if you are breathing in and out of your heart. That space inside us that we identify with as our heart space. Focus there in your heart with your breath. You might notice that that rhythm of breathing really settles in depending on how heightened your state is of course it could take longer than what I'm going to do here with you today and when we breathe in and out of our heart we might even notice colors or sounds or sensations coming to us and it's all about allowing them to be as they are and then maybe even placing a hand on your heart wherever you identify your heart to be And that allows an anchoring in of hopefully that calm centre that you've been able to access even for a moment in that heart connection. version is a little bit more in depth. 
I guess I've adapted it to something quicker for busy mums to be able to do mm. in their everyday. Mm. Mm. And to do on the radio. <laughs> yeah, and to do on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, so you're, with, you're on Yes FM here with Catherine Evans, and if you've just tuned in, you've just missed a really lovely little heart meditation, um, and which I think is interesting, particularly on radio, when um, the concept of um, of emptiness on the radio is is not something that's generally encouraged. In fact, we call it dead air, and we try our best to avoid it. But I think it's very interesting to do that little kind of experiment on the radio and just just notice that that having no sound coming through the radio for a few seconds is not the same as, as dead air when things go wrong here. And um, oh, it's just, right. yeah, it's just allowing, uh, I think, a little bit of space even in anyone who was listening just there. And I'm just still keeping my hand on my heart because it feels really nice. It does, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, does. One, one thing I noticed about that is that when you do – keep your hand on, on your on your chest above your heart, then you can feel the vibration of your voice in your hand. And um, to me, that's quite sort of grounding as well um, mm, to just, to just feel that vibration. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. is this the kind of thing, Catherine, that you might do in a session with, with, um, with mums and, um, and, wh- and what other kind of things might happen in one of your sessions? So... Um- Really, it's my my intention is for deep listening to begin with, because mums, you know, as we you know we talked about them not having time, and when they come to a session, they've really carved out that time somehow in some miracle way, and so I focus very much on deep listening to begin with, to hear their story, to hear. What are the themes that are coming through? What are the challenges that they're facing? And then we often, I often do start with heart meditation because it is simple and it, it does support them to balance their nervous system because if you do look on heart math, it's all about heart coherence and heart coherence is that even in, even out breath that allows the heart coherence to happen and that in turn balances the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. So often women that come can really connect with that calm quite quickly. And for others it takes a bit longer, which is fine, but then they have a resource that they can take home with them that they can access at any time. So that's, that's one of the things. And then I sometimes also add I did some study in some years ago called MBIT which sounds very complex but really it's a multiple intelligences coaching method and it's about primarily head heart and gut so we do a similar exercise to what I just did then but it goes from head to sorry from heart to head to heart to gut and we focus the breathing in all of those areas and the intention is to bring everything into alignment so that 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 wholeness is felt you know where everything comes together and we feel whole again even if it's just for a moment and then oh look every session's different and it's definitely about meeting the woman where she's at 
and supporting her in whatever way that works for her. My theme does always at some point touch on the sacred within because it's my belief that if we can connect with that sacredness within, then all judgment, you know, can fall away and there's acceptance of ourselves exactly as we are. And, yeah, that's just the place that I find is a really central place that everybody, they might call it something else, but they can kind of relate to it once they connect with it. Mm. Because, you know, acceptance of ourselves is one of the hardest things to gain acceptance of, isn't it, generally? It is. I think we struggle all our lives to come to that self-acceptance again, depending on what's happened, you know, in the years when we grew up, when we were children and various experiences that we have throughout our life as we traverse it. And also for women and mothers, mothers in particular, you know, birth is such a a huge milestone in any woman's life and there's so much involved in birth, birthing a baby, especially in these current times that can really add to the challenges because one in three women experience birth trauma in Australia, which is a very high statistic. So mums are carrying a lot around Mm. in their day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that is um, high. Although I have to say, I'm I'm surprised it's not like two in three, <laughs> because it seems so common to hear these stories of birth trauma, doesn't it? It does, and you know how. It, I guess it's like any statistic. How do we know who who reports birth trauma? But mm. like there's, there's not really even a body where you can report that you've experienced birth trauma too. Right. Is that so, right? yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like no, well, not. I guess I'm not sure where, even where they get those statistics from, to be honest, but obviously it's women that have been interviewed, maybe in terms of um, seeing their GP. I'm not sure where those statistics come from, but mm. there's also a statistic in Australia of one in 10 women experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder from the birthing experience. So... Mm. 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 Um, and so, Catherine, uh, can I just go back to you know your experience of um, of birth and motherhood? Sort of. So, it, you said to me earlier that the business had sort of been bubbling on for you know quite some time over years. That now you're you're doing this this work full time. But um, when did it sort of start to arise in you? What was happening around the time when you thought, um, you know that oh, I need to or I want to help other women through this sort of phase? So it actually started before I'd even had a baby because my very good friend had a birth that was extremely traumatic and I watched her and did my best to support her through that uh, experience because she was really struggling Um She'd had a high forceps delivery, which is very traumatic experience. And so that, that kind of supporting her educated me. 
and I it set me on a trail because prior to that, or even before that, I was definitely going to have a cesarean and a general anaesthetic for my babies. You decided that, that sort of beforehand? And wh- why had you decided Way that? before. Fear. Terrified. Right. So when that happened to my friend, I started to search. I started to research and I started to look into everything that I could about birth. And I did a 360 because when I found out that, you know, whatever goes into a woman's body, not everything does, but can cross the placenta to the baby, everything changed in my perspective. I think um, for me it became, I was empowered by that because it gave me something to focus on in terms of, what I wanted for my baby and myself in birth. And at that time I came across a book by Sheila Kitzinger who was an incredible advocate for women and for women's power in birth. And she had a list of questions for to ask your care providers. So I wrote that out and went to all the hospitals locally and interviewed them about what they could offer me. Wow, that's really advocating and, for yourself, isn't it? Incredible. <laughs> and I ended up having our first baby in Melbourne, which was four hours from where we lived in Wodonga. Uh, so we had to go and live there for a couple of weeks before the due date. It was a big undertaking, but I really wanted a birth where I could maintain my my inner power. I really wanted to have an environment where I was cared for in that way. And I just couldn't find it anywhere else, so that's what we did. So after I had my first baby, probably, no, sorry, probably, I'm trying to think when I started to get involved in that, but I started a group called, oh, sorry, I was in a community group called Birth Choices, and we were working together as a group to advocate for better maternity services in Bustleton. And I was the leader of that, really, or the instigator was a male midwife, Pete Malavisi, who is now actually living in Victoria, I think, or no, maybe he's back in the islands. And I said to him, you know, I think I want to start a group for, for mothers called Birth Circle where women can come and hear something positive about birth because... It seemed that the only stories that we were hearing were negative, like how much pain it was and how traumatic it was and how terrible it was. And I had this inner sense that women really needed to be encouraged in birth. You know, in times gone by, I guess women shared stories of birth or they, you know, when the midwives were the, the women in the community, it was more, more embedded in the community, I think, where women were supported in birth in a different way than they are now Mm. and that that birth circle really took off and it went for many many years and then mums started them in other areas so there was one in Caratha, one in Margaret River, one in Dunsborough, one in Bunbury and unfortunately they're not happening now but that kind of started my trajectory on birth support and I spent quite a few well many years actually supporting women in the birthing room um, as they birthed, you know, with the intention of supporting them to have an empowered birth 
where they didn't lose their power, that they held their power and that they could make their own choices and their own decisions with the support of the medical professionals around them. Mm. So it kind of came from there, I guess. And that's that's fantastic, that, you know, idea of a birth circle. I mean, I'm, you know, very much in favour of women's circles talking about any topic at all, but you're so right that mostly people talk about how terrible the birth was. And then, I mean, I find that, well, for me personally, uh, I didn't have a traumatic uh, but I had two uh, children and uh, they were both in the birthing centre and I felt, yeah, more so with the second one, um, I felt the things that you're describing and I had no uh, need for, um, you know, any anis- uh, painkillers or anything and I just had natural births both times and uh, but I had done a lot of reading beforehand, which I think it's really important to find that there are, you know, there are different ways of looking at birth, like you say. But what I'm meaning to, to say here is that if I'm with uh, women, for instance, and um, it, what's being talked about is, is mostly negative or um, similar stories of birth, that I almost feel bad in some way for sharing the good story in that that the other women might feel you know i don't know do you understand what i'm saying that the other women might feel totally. sort of not ripped off but jealous or or something like i it's like going well mine was totally fine so you know and then other women thinking well what's wrong you know with them yeah it's a confusing kind of of um of thing to, to be talking to be talking mm. about yeah yeah um like that isn't it yeah and what happened at birth circle was even though you know the intention was to hear positive birth stories what actually happened was women came and told their story so whatever birth story they had they came and told told it if they chose to they weren't required to and it was interesting because there was a lot of emotional healing that happened in those circles because, as, as you know from sitting in women's circles, it's very rare to be in a group of people or women where you your turn comes to speak and you're just able to speak whatever comes out. It's not planned, it's not rehearsed, it's not scripted. It's just really from the depths of our being. And if the space uh, of the circle is safe enough, women can do that if they choose. And the healing that can happen is really profound but very simple, if that makes sense. There's something magical and very empowering about being heard without being comforted or interrupted or touched or anything like that, just by sitting and speaking your truth. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, so for any listeners here on SFM who aren't sure what we're really talking about when we talk about women's circles, (laughs) it is really a space where, as Catherine explained, there is no uh, judgment or comment or sympathy or advice given but just a safe space where your stories can be heard and and witnessed really and so what i find is that 
you know, normally if you're in a normal conversation <clears throat> and you begin to become emotional, for instance, um, maybe start, you know, having a few tears or, or crying, telling a story, the instant reaction of the person listening is to offer, you know, um, a hug or some sympathy or at least a, oh, you know, that's awful and interrupt that, that kind of flow of what's happening. But if you're able to sit with that emotion and let it, and let it uh, just just actually flow through your body, then you find that, well, I find that, um, you know, you do stop crying and then you are able to speak again and you've had that time to process that kind of emotion in, in that moment, hey, and that in itself can be sort of the healing. Is that is that your experience, Catherine? Absolutely, because it's often said about women that we don't need a load of advice, we just need to speak what there is to speak so that in that process we're already sorting through it ourselves Mm. so we don't need some magical answer but we do need a safe space to express what we're feeling or express what we're experiencing and then that resolution that you're talking about that sort of you know as I love that analogy of I often say that to women when you know, talk about birth, you know, it's not about pushing your baby out, it's about allowing your baby to move through you. Mm. Mm. And it's a similar thing with what we're talking about with feelings and emotions is, you know, allowing those emotions to be fully felt in a safe space that's supported and having, you know, allowing them to move through you in a similar way. Mm. And in your own time, and I think that, that analogy with birth is, is so good because, like I can't believe that people say really, you know, come on, one, two, three, push, and they have it on all the movies, you know, anyway. <laughs> Quick, one more push. Because for me, it was so unlike that that I did not at all feel, particularly during my second birth, which was a water one, um, that I was pushing. Literally, I was just, you know, relaxing and allowing that, as you say, the the, the waves or the, the baby to move through you and um, I was no more pushing than fly to the moon you know my body was like moving from the inside kind of thing um, you know s- squeezing and relaxing all that kind of thing and yeah a- to me it was feel so foreign to-, to-, to think that I had any control or any power really over when a push might come because all I, I was there for was just to allow it to happen and to move through and it's a sort of a I guess thinking about it, similar thing, you know, in the circle, um, that you just really need that time. And I think that's, the th- you know, that supported safe space to be able to move those emotions. So in birth, you need that. And I had that, that supported safe time when there wasn't anyone telling me what to do. I mean, the midwife was sort of, um, you know, there. And it, yeah, it just was something that in that situation, that time that I was allowed to, to, to do that. But I think if I was not in that birthing center, in that bath and in that, you know, comfortable environment, if I was, say, in a normal hospital birthing unit, that that probably would not have gone the same way. I totally agree. And I think that as a society, we ask a lot of our women to, you know, if you look at animals, they don't, um, you know, lie in a, brightly lit room with lots of people in it and noise and all of that beeping and all the rest of it they go away to a dark safe space and birth and in you know as a society i think we've kind of forgotten what we're asking of women to birth in that way and of course sometimes it's necessary we understand that there are circumstances where birth needs assistance 
you know, medical assistance. Mm. However, um, birthing in a room that's, that's brightly lit with, you know, however many people present and you're at your most vulnerable when you're birthing. Like you're as raw as you can be. There is no other experience that gives you that or makes, puts you in that position of being so raw and completely vulnerable emotionally, physically, everything, spiritually, the whole lot, you know, mind, heart and soul, so to speak, and body. Mm. And so, yeah, I think alongside of motherhood, there's been some loss of recognition of what motherhood is to begin with, what it calls or asks of us to be and do. And the same with birth. We've lost, well, I believe anyway, the enormity of what women are doing when they birth. It's huge, that experience. And yet, um, you know, women have their babies and it's kind of like, oh, you had a baby, you know, and you're in coals the, the week after or the three days after and, you know, life is expected to resume to normal. But we've been through a huge emotional, as I've just said, mind, heart and soul experience that is a transition not only to having a baby but to becoming a mother. And if we could give mothers space for that, wow, that would really change things. Mm, because of course it's not even just at the the birth but but in those you know days and and a few weeks afterwards like you say you know we're back in cold three days later well I certainly wasn't but (laughs) I deliberately Mm -hmm. stayed at home and and um just rested as much as I could but I was lucky in that you know I, I was able to sort of do that but I think that time is so um so important to just uh, what's the word I want? Just to bring together. Um, there's a word for that, and I can't think what it is. Integrate, uh, integrate that kind of experience of what's actually happened to you, which has been massive. And I think, you know, it's a big rite of passage. And but it's not necessarily mm, given that that sort of weight in society. I mean, it's like that you have uh, before the birth. Oh, you're pregnant. That's fantastic. Let's have a baby shower or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you have the baby and people sort of, um, you know, I find overload, um, the overload, probably new mothers with, with visits and everything's early on and they're desperate to see the baby and all that kind of thing. But then as soon as the mum sort of goes home and is possibly, you know, on their own at home, I just feel like it kind of stops. And it's, it's like a very short time when people are, you know, acknowledging this and then it's over. And then that's the time when <laughs> you really probably should be integrating what happened to you instead. I mean, I, I think that people should be banned from visiting mums and new babies. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an individual choice, but it is definitely a bonding time. And, you know, in a lot of cultures, there's the 40 days where, you know, for the 40 days after the birth, the mother literally lies in bed or whatever, wherever, with her baby and that's all that she's expected to do. Mm. So someone else from the family takes care of the other children. If there's other children, someone cooks, someone cleans, you know, it's just her and her baby for 40 days. And apparently in those countries, postnatal depression is drastically lower than what we experience here. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because just um, that, that's right. It's a different thing if people are coming to actually support you and let you rest with the baby in the bed than if they're just wanting to be there and to, you know, hold the baby or ask you all questions about how the birth went and, you know, just generally not being there to be actually helpful. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. They're just sort of visiting because they think it's a good thing to do. And I mean, sure, you know, but um, but that's such a different thing. What kind of countries have that sort of uh, that care? Oh, look, I'm trying to remember because I went to a home birth conference years ago that talked about that. Um, I've got a feeling that Indonesia may. Yeah, right. Um, I think I'd, Japan I'd really have might, to... might do that. Or... Maybe, yeah. I'd or... have to... Or China, maybe. I feel it's an yeah, Asian sort of country. All yeah. Countries. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful practice anyway. Beautiful, mm. you know, tradition. Yeah. I just wanted to say one yeah, thing bef- absolutely. Um, on, on that topic of postnatal depression because there might be some mums listening that want to hear this, but there's a, a doctor called Dr. Oscar Serilak who's written a book called postnatal depletion cure have you heard about that one no tell me he wrote this book from the experience that his wife went through when she i'm not sure which baby it was but this book actually takes that i guess it reframes and he says postnatal depression is still a thing but he reframes a lot of that that is labeled postnatal depression to postnatal depletion which when you think about it is pretty accurate because we are depleted, you know. We, we, and he, what he does is he widens the lens and looks at, okay, well, what, what nutrients have been depleted in the mother? You know, the, the depletion of sleep loss and the emotional shifts of motherhood. So he brings that all together to explain what, um, postnatal depletion is and what to do about it. Mm. And when I heard about that book, it reframed for me, um, you know, the language that we use in our society can sometimes not be empowering. And uh, when I heard depletion, I just found that to be really accurate. Mm. And it is what we go through often as mums, even when we're supported, we can still feel depleted. Yeah, and I, it just yeah, it just shifts it a bit for mums so that they it kind of is a compassionate understanding, I think, of what we go through as mums. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very powerful word and and very accurate. I mean, because for one thing, you are depleted <clears throat> of massive amounts of energy because think of how much energy you burn up, you know, giving birth to a baby. Um, and then your energy going into, if you choose to, to breastfeed, going into, to that as well, to keeping your baby nourished. And that doesn't leave a lot of energy left over, you know, for the actual mother if she's also, um, having to, you know, straight away be going back into cooking and cleaning and all, and, pos- and looking after other children and whatever it is. So, I mean, it's no wonder that, that we are depleted. I mean, what a very accurate way to describe it. Yeah, and he was saying that it can take up to seven years to regain that, you know, to, I guess, fill that cup or um, find our way through that depletion, which kind of, like, it makes sense because seven years, you know, the child is 
becoming more independent. There's a little bit more space. But then if you have another baby. Mm, I was just thinking that. How does the seven know, years work if you have another baby? <laughs> yeah, you're starting all over again. Yeah, yeah. seven plus another seven plus another seven. <laughs> mm, that's right. Oh, that's great. So, well, Catherine, thanks so much for talking to us. We've actually almost... Um, uh, run out of time, which is, I always find quite unbelievable. Um, if people are, so you work online with people, I'm gathering. I do. Yeah. So, do. Yeah. yes. Yeah. So you can work with women all over Australia. And if, if anyone listening here on SFM is interested in finding out more about you and, and the sessions that you offer, then what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, website is, www.mindheartsoulhealing.au.au. Is no dot com? No, no okay. dot com. So, so au. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. And on Facebook, it's just under Catherine Evans. Okay. On my personal page, they'll find me there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks, Catherine. And is there something that you'd like to, to kind of leave us with if there's, you know, for mums listening, for instance, um, some kind of uh, over overarching message that you'd like to leave from your, you know, degree and postgraduate qualifications in being a mum? <laughs> what's what's the sort of big message here that you'd like to leave us with? Um, I've actually got a poem that I wrote a few years ago about birth, and oh. I'd love to share that if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to hear a poem. It only take a minute, so sure. I'll just read, it, read yep. it to you all. You may see me in birth, the woman that I am, full of power and might. You may see me strong, weak, crying, hysterical, laughing, screaming, and you may think you know me then. When you see this naked woman giving birth, you may think that what you see is what you see and accept this. Do not be deceived. What you see before you is so much more. A woman unprotected and vulnerable. A woman, my soul completely exposed, open and raw. You will see the angel in me. You will see the spirit of the divine that is in us all and the creation of another human being. You will see the little girl. You will see all versions of me. I trust myself to you when I allow you to be with me. And more, when I ask you to support me in this, my greatest challenge, my most soul-fulfilling task of life itself, believe in me. I can do this, but I may not always believe that I can. Trust me. Trust my body born of ancestors we never knew. Trust the babe within me. Watch silently, quietly, gently. As you gather around me, please protect my exposed soul with your love and deep respect. And afterwards, nurture me as I will nurture for the rest of my days and beyond. Hold me and help me as I integrate my soul within and gather myself for the days ahead. Honour me and help me to honour myself. Know that witnessing birth is life's most wild, elegant human occurrence and know that being with birth is the most incredible privilege, as is giving birth. Birth is an indescribable experience unless you have experienced it yourself. 
life's greatest gift and life's most sacred miracle. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing that, Catherine. That's beautiful. I really love it. And I really like the line about the nurturing as well. I think that's a word that probably is not used enough and, and not thought about and I think is probably one of the most important things to do, isn't it, with a new mother to nurture them as they are having to nurture that 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 new life, that baby. I think that's really beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes, for the next 30 years at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. They say you never stop being a mother, don't you? Oh. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Catherine. Uh, pleasure to talk to you and um, I wish you well. Thanks very much for having me. Great yeah. to spend time today. You're welcome.